This is First Nature Episode 4 on the Rising Man Podcast with Sean Berry. Good day to you, Rising Man family. Sean Berry coming at you with another episode, another installment of First Nature, where we talk about all things nature and ourselves as nature, our place on this planet and our relationship with this planet. And that is our keyword today, relationship. Right? It's one of these uh, really interesting attributes that humans can exhibit. And we're going to take a look at that today in the face of climate change and just all the dramatic environmental activity that's really happening across the face of the planet, particularly this year. So much already happening in the six, seven months that we've been going through 2021. So we're going to dive in and get to that and look at all the aspects of our individual self in the face of the global picture. But just before we drop into that conversation, I do want to remind you if you are a man and you are looking to continue to develop yourself and to grow into the full potential that you see you might have for yourself and to increase your capacity to bring gifts and leadership to yourself, to your family, to your loved ones and the community around you, then head on over to risingman.org. That is what we're all about. We're wanting to support men. I want myself to feel supported. And I know other men out there want to feel the support of what it takes to build ourselves up into proactive, powerful humans who can go out there and tackle these things that we keep hearing about, you know, massive, massive things like climate change, like the planet. And how do we as an individual man have any kind of, you know, aim or direction or effect on that? It's a big, big question. And uh, the programs at Rising Man are really designed to help you sit in circles of other men of support and figure that out together and to discover and realize what your intrinsic gifts are and to develop the skills and the capacity and ability to begin giving them and making a difference in the world that you are building for yourself and helping others to build for themselves. So again, risingman.org, check it out, the programs tab. I guarantee you there's something in there for you that is going to have an impact and change how you are approaching and living your life. So, we're here to talk about the climate today. Climate change, greenhouse gases, CO2, melting glaciers, icebergs splitting off, super cyclonic hurricanes, decades-long droughts, flooding in unusual places, massive wildfires that rage for an entire season, extreme heat and cold in unusual places. This is the planet we live on today. We were told it was coming and we didn't listen and now it's here. That's not to guilt or shame any of us. It's just human nature. We don't want to believe the bad news. It's hard to reconcile data and science when we can look out the window and see that it's just another beautiful day. But now that we're here, what do we do? And when I say we, I mean, what do you do? What do I do? What do we, the individual, just getting up and going to their job and taking care of their family, do in the midst of what we see happening out there? Yes, it's true that a lot of communities at the local government level and even on the national level of different countries are making changes, putting new laws into effect, giving companies that have good solutions and ideas a chance to get them in front of us to to use as options. And, and that's wonderful. That's great. And better now than never. 
but a lot of those solutions that are coming to us are uh, relatively expensive, you know, to the ordinary kind of average person out there. And those same new options that are better for the environment, more sustainable, more regenerative, are not necessarily effective until they have mass adoption. And that's going to take a lot of time. You know, we're talking about 8 billion people here who have to make a, a pretty quick U-turn. I'm all for wind power and solar power and driving an electric car and living in a house that has a very small carbon footprint and the source resources it uses to heat and cool itself and to be built. But even me as, you know, a middle class American doesn't have that kind of money just to jump into all those technologies tomorrow or even this year. And by all accounts and reports, I'm one of the most polluting people out there, putting the most CO2 into the atmosphere. So if me and you, the millions and millions and millions of us across the world, billions probably, who can't actually make that jump quickly, it's hard to imagine what the solution is going to look like. It's hard to imagine how the things are going to shift, things are going to change. And it starts to promote a belief that it's hopeless and that we just have to sit back and watch it happen or that we have to put our heads in the sand and ignore it and pretend it isn't happening and just hope that it doesn't uh, get to us too soon, you know, in the form of some grand ecological environmental disaster that we see happening in other places. So I'm talking about this because I'm not, I don't want to scare people. I don't want to doom and gloom and I don't want to shame or guilt people. But the truth of the matter is something has to happen something. We have to do something. We can't wait for the companies to come up with great ideas and, you know, to get them slowly implemented across countries. We have to be the ones who are willing to make changes on the ground level in our day-to-day -day lives. That's the fastest effect. And, uh, you know, I've been recycling. I've been conscientious about my packaging purchase when I shop. You know, I do all these little things. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, so I'm thinking about this as this is like a graph in my mind, you know, on the far right side, there's, you know, corporations and companies who are creating sustainable change and options for us to choose to be better consumers that have a better result on the environment. A little bit out of reach and a little slow for us. And I'm thinking about the, the extreme left of that same graph where it's like, well, I recycle. I'm conscientious about my packaging. I buy, you know, I, I drive a fuel efficient car. Maybe I drive even an electric car. Maybe you even have decided to pay a carbon tax. You know, there's a lot of places I've seen locally that are offering opportunities to offset your carbon footprint to move around in town and give that to, they give that money to organizations who are you know, providing some a way of a service to reduce your carbon footprints, local carbon tax. All this is well and good, but they're at the extreme left of that graph. And I would call those, you know, minimally effective. They're, I mean, yes, you are doing something at an individual level. But in the scheme of the greater impact, uh, it's still we're still doing the same things. We're still doing the same lifestyle. We're still holding the same values and standards of what is normal and average that we deserve or that we believe is uh, okay for us to pursue because it's just in our culture. And then there's the middle of the graph, you know, nice big fats, bell curve, that actually may, may be even a little like narrow because the options in that range that have the greatest effect 
are the most difficult ones for us to make. And not because they're expensive or, you know, slow burn technologies that take, you know, massive adaptation to take hold. They're difficult to do because they're uncomfortable and they fly in the face of our convention of what we consider to be human, you know, as far as modern lifestyles go. You know, these are things like living in a different kind of house, living in a smaller house, living in a house made out out of different materials. It looks like growing your own food. It looks like minimizing your carbon footprint by driving less, traveling less, not flying, you know, not having a giant big screen TV. Stuff like that, stuff that is, you know, based on consumerism as a idea, as a concept, as a uh, answer to meet the desire that we feel as humans to be fulfilled and satisfied and to feel successful and to have some sense of security and safety. You know, it's uh, it's eating less meat. It's eating more plant-based foods. It's riding a bike more and or walking more. It's carpooling. It's uh, all these things. It's sending your kid to the local school instead of uh, driving them across town every day. It's a lot of things like that. I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but what it is 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 massive lifestyle change. It's lifestyle change. It's it's abandoning the way that we live on a day to day basis. It's it's abandoning what defines us, you know, particularly in this country as American. You know, if you look at third world countries, they certainly are are no better off in terms of pollution and generating waste, but uh, their, you know, their standard of living is way, way less of an impact on the planet. You know, simple structures, minimal devices running on electricity that's pulling on the grid all the time, more communal activity, more communal sharing of items living in ways that are more akin to the way that all of our ancestors were living if you go back far enough. So we have it in our DNA. You have that in your your blood history of communal living, of minimal impact, of a more harmonic, sensitized, you know, treading upon the resources that we use to live and making sure that we are taking care of earth and all the places and ways that the resources from earth come to us as much as we're taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. And I know just listening to that sounds like we're getting into sort of high philosophy ideals. And, uh, and I agree, it does. I, I, I hear myself say that. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll get there someday. But unfortunately, someday is today. We're, we're here. You know, this, this year alone, there's just been some really amazing environmental uh, events. There's a fire burning in Oregon now that's grown to the size of Los Angeles in just over a week and a half. There was extreme flooding in a German town that hasn't seen that kind of water in over a hundred years and it's wiped out towns. You know, there's a a report about like, they don't know what to name a tropical storm. That's two tropical storms bumping into each other. It's something that's never been observed before and they don't have a name for that kind of storm. There's a massive water shortage in California and there's picture after picture of reservoirs that were designed to get uh, that state, this state that I live in, through droughts. I mean, droughts aren't anything new to California. And so they have all these reservoirs to make sure that we can sustain ourselves comfortably with enough water supply. But the drought is so extreme over the last several years, 
accumulating that even the reservoirs are failing to provide this the water that we all need to do what we want to do in our average modern day. So literally, when the resources stop becoming available, our life starts getting difficult. It starts getting uncomfortable. And we don't have any kind of systems in place to prevent you know, the bottom dropping out. And that's because we've been living at a very high standard comforts and availability and consumerism that doesn't have equally sustainable regenerative practices behind it uh, supporting the abundance of those systems. So again, what do you, you do? What do I do? What do we, the just the average person out there, try to make their way? What do we do on a daily basis that can make some kind of contribution, immediate contribution to the problem that is, you know, staring down at us literally from the sky above? Well, for me, one of the most important aspects of being human is our ability to create relationship. You know, that's something that every one of us is aware of. We're aware of our relationships. We're aware of our desire and our choice and our interest and our capacity to contribute time and energy to creating a feeling and a space and a reality of, of how we relate. And typically when we say relationship, we're talking about how we relate to each other as humans or maybe to our pets. But the truth is we have the power and ability to relate to anything, to bring relationship to anything. So let's just take that one step further. You probably have a relationship with your car. You might even have a name for your car. You know, you might have bought your car because of how it sort of, you know, identifies you or represents you to other people. When people see you driving that car, there's usually a sense of like, yeah, my car is me. I am my car. Like you may have even done this yourself. If you've ever gotten to an accident, your first thought was like, oh, someone just hit me. Someone just hit me. But actually, they, they hit the car you're driving, right? Your car is not you. But we do have this great capacity to associate, to relate, to identify with things outside of ourself. Uh, we do it with our pets all the time. If you have a dog and you take it out walking and it attracts people and they come up and pet it and, uh, you know, that feels good to you, right? Feels good to you that other people like your dog. And we have this transmission of, of relation with their, our dog that we feel through them. It's vicarious. And, uh, and that's kind of how it works. We get to experience different feelings and different conditions of experiencing our life through the things that we have built relationship with. It's like an extension of ourselves that we put into things so that we can have a greater surface area of interactivity and experience of the world around us that we may, may not ordinarily be able to call in for ourselves. So I'd like to suggest that the planets, that nature is no different. You know, the, the car you're driving in, the phone you are on most of the day, uh, your laptop, your dishes you cook with, the food that came out of the ground, the house you live in, the couch you relax in, the roads you drive on, the building you walk into to do your work. All those are made from earth, everything, the satellites flying around us, those came from the grounds, right? Someone dug up a handful of dirt and somehow figured out how to turn that thing into a box that got up into space and beams back an image that turns into your favorite TV show. It's pretty wild. But the point is, is that earth is all around us in these different shapes and forms now. It's, it's been processed and transformed and produced into objects that we don't really recognize as earth, but it is. You know, the pair of pants you're wearing, made from earth. 
So one maybe really uh, acute way of recognizing this is that you, you are Earth too. You are Earth walking around, looking at itself, interacting with itself. And it doesn't really matter what your spiritual practice tells you about where you came from. Sure, you came from wherever you believe you came from. But if you're here walking around on the planet, currently your body, the, the, the physical self that you perceive that you are, is the Earth in just another form. So when you eat food, when you eat the plants that grow out of the ground that have drawn up the minerals and caught the photons, or if you eat the animals that ate the plants, what you retain becomes your body. So that is earth. You are earth. And we're interacting with all different types and shades and interpretations of earth as earth on earth. That is what we do. That is who we are. That is the human. So let's kind of bring this back into a little bit of perspective in terms of how do we respond to what's happening in our climate. You ever been out somewhere, park, store, somewhere public, and you see uh, a parent with their young child and the young child is just having like a massive breakdown, temper tantrum, screaming, just completely acting out. And we kind of turn away, right? We kind of morbidly look at the disaster unfolding before us. But then we're like, woof, not our kid. Thank God. Actually, this is really kind of uncomfortable to be around. Let's, let's move over here. And so you move away from it. You don't really think about it. But that's because you don't have a, a relationship with that child. Now think of that same story from the perspective of the parent, the parent who, who helped, who, you know, if, if it was the mother, it's the mother who bore that child. It's the mother who is raising that child. It's the mother who is intimately connected to the well-being, safety, and emotional well-being of that child. So from her perspective, that tantrum is really upsetting. It's really distressing. She's at a loss at what to do. She might even be experiencing some fear or some anger because she can't control the situation. You know, fear about not knowing what her child needs in that moment. And that's because she loves it. She has a relationship with that child. And it's become a very important thing to her. And she'll stick it out. She'll see it through. She'll figure out what it will take to soothe that child and to bring it back into a place of equilibrium. So what I'm suggesting here is that each of us have the same opportunity to create that relationship with the planet. If you haven't done that, if you haven't taken the time and explored what does it mean for you to make relationship with nature, to make relationship with the planet, you might be like a lot of people out there who just can't really relate to all the dramatic expression that our planet is showing us. You know, you might be like the person who looks at it, that interaction between the child and the mother from afar and just doesn't want to deal with it. So you, we turn away. I turn away. I do it. I, I have, I feel like I have a very strong relationship with nature and the planet. And I still, I still have to turn away from this news sometimes because it's, it really upsets me. It makes me feel sad and I don't know what to do all the time. But like that mother, I am dedicated, I'm committed, I'm passionate about finding ways that I can change my life that contribute to bringing this planet back to equilibrium. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I can move at a much faster rate as an individual than a new company starting up or a corporation that's trying to change the course, like, you know, the Titanic. It's going to take them a while. Meanwhile, I can walk out my door and start making immediate small changes. 
But the, the will and the desire to do that comes from the relationship that I've built. And so, yeah, what do you think about creating a relationship with nature? What do you think about creating a relationship with the planet? Personal relationship. You may have it in some form or fashion, or you may not. You may not just think about it. You may not realize that, you know, everything you're interacting with is is the earth and you are the earth. And it may put you in a place of like, well, I don't even know. It's such a foreign way of thinking or even seem sort of ridiculous, despite the fact that it's the truth, because it's just so far away from your regularly scheduled thinking that you don't really know the first step of how would you even go about that? What does it look like? How does the human make relationship? How does it even start? Well, the good news is it's actually really easy. Building a relationship is is what the human is really good at. So uh, here's the suggestion. All you need to do is start paying attention to bring your five senses, this, this thing that's built in, right? Your hearing, your seeing, sense of touch, smell, taste, and... You know, make some three by five cards, put one on your dashboard, put one on your refrigerator, put one in your bathroom mirror, put one on your bedstand and just make a note to yourself. And it can say something like, don't forget to touch the earth. Don't or don't forget to look at the beauty of the planets. Don't forget to savor the tastes of nature. Right. You can use your own, you know, kind of creative poetic license here to give yourself some cues to help you stay in your body, this thing that's made out of nature and all the sensory apparatus that it comes with, to start tuning into the raw nature and planet that's beyond and behind everything that you're interacting with. You know, it's it's not really our fault entirely that we're surrounded and cocooned by, you know, earth transformed uh, into these objects, you know, when really just outside our door, underneath the sidewalk or just down at the local park, there's, you know, beautiful trees and birds and grass growing and flowers and critters running around. Maybe there's a stream nearby. There's activity in the sky with the sun rising and the sunset and cloud formations. And, you know, if you live in a place where it rains, man, there's fresh water that falls out of the sky. It just falls out of the sky. Like our drinking water falls out of the sky. You know, smelling, walking down a sidewalk, if you know, if you're uh, getting off the bus in the city or parking your car from in the parking structure and you're walking up to your high-rise building or wherever you work, undoubtedly there's going to be, someone's going to have planted, you know, landscaped some flowers in a, a, an urban setting somewhere. It's taking that moment to stop and look and smell the flowers. I know it sounds ridiculous. It sounds cliche, but I'm telling you, it's the simple actions like that that start to build that relationship, to start to build that connection, to know that underneath and outside and around everything that we do as humans to to build the complex life we've built for ourselves in order that we can f- feel a sense of you know satisfaction and fulfillment and safety and security and joy, all of it is on top of underneath or around, surrounded by nature. It's always there just waiting for us to go to kind of pierce through the veil of our modernity and connect with it. So, yeah. And if you stop to smell that flower, sure, it's going to be uncomfortable. You might feel like people are going to watch you and think it foolish. And that's okay. Sure. Be foolish for 30 seconds. 
I'm personally much more willing to to look foolish in front of other people in order to deepen my relationship with earth. Because honestly, my friends, if you haven't noticed, this is happening really fast, what's happening out there. And if you have children or nieces or nephews, they are going to have a rough time. They're going to have a rough time of it. They're the ones who are going to come up with the solutions, not us. I mean, if you're over the age 30, you're probably not going to solve a big major environmental problem. It's going to be your kids or your nieces, your nephews, maybe even your grandkids if we make it that far. And when I say make it, I don't think we're just going to go extinct. But listen, if the water runs out for 33 million people in California, where are they going to go? Where, are they going, where is that 33 million people going to go? I mean, there's just some real hard facts we have to pay attention to that uh, we just can't be denied anymore. You know, people can be absorbed when disaster strikes into surrounding communities. And, you know, most economies and cultures and societies can absorb the irregular impacts that come from those things. But when they're happening regularly, you know, it's stressing all of the systems that we depend on. And those systems, you know, they're going to run their course. And eventually there's going to be a situation where we can't absorb it all the time because the system isn't made to absorb. You know, we're living unsustainably. And that's really what it comes down to. We have to be making different decisions with our daily ways that we live that are going to trickle upward. And the youth that are coming up, you know, they're going to have all the facility. They're going to have all the data. They're going to have all the technology and the history at their fingertips to solve the, the problem, to you know, come up with some new solutions. But what they're not going to have is the experience and the mentoring and you know, the upbringing where they've watched adults like us who don't necessarily have the answers, but are courageous and willing to do things differently, to take risks, to admit that we're going down a path that has not been good in the long term and to be, you know, to, to, to create a vision of a human for them that's flexible and pays attention and is willing to endure discomfort and extreme change in order to create a foundation for them to rebuild a human lifestyle that comes back to center that is in harmony with how the cycles of the planet works, that is in harmony with the resources, that retains the beauty and the flourishing that this planet is capable of and still provides a life that is equally fulfilling and satisfying and joyful and safe and secure as we've enjoyed. It's just going to look different, but they don't know how it looks and they don't have the experience of you know what it takes to, you know, the adult capacity for responsibility to, and leadership to, to institute new ways of being. You know, if you're a Rising Man listener, I think this message is really potent for you, particularly if you've been through, you know, the Compass program where you initiated yourself into a conscious adult on a mission as a man. I would say that Anyone who's gone through a rite of passage, a wilderness rite of passage, who's fasted for four days and four nights out on the land, who has built deep connection to nature through that transference of where source is during those four days, is obligated, is on the hook. We're on the hook. It's us because we have choicefully built that relationship. We've choicefully decided to give our love and attention towards nature and the planet to, to inform us and direct us about how to be on the planet, how to be good humans, 
on the planets. So a lot of the men out there, and it's not just rising men. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of men and women who have gone through rites of passages um, throughout this country and elsewhere that are all earth-based, that all look to the earth and nature as a, a source of information, a source of direction about how to live. And the difficult part is we come back from those experiences and there's this world that's waiting for us that we left that doesn't really fit into the new vision that we've received about how to live as good humans in harmony with nature, in alignment with nature. So we have to fight for it. We have to be willing to continue that courageous risk-taking that got us out there on the mountain for that ceremony and bring it back into our, our regular day and carve it out and make those hard choices and disrupt our family lives and disrupt our money-making lives and disrupt the patterns that we find ourselves in that are heading towards just more and more ecological breakdown because of how it affects the rest of the planet. It's no small task. I would say it's the only task that we have before us. You know, as much as I feel that the things I need to get through and, and do every day are important and need to be done, and as passionate and excited I am about my pursuits in the world and in life, if the planet's on fire or melting down or whatever storms are wiping out the road that I want to drive down to, to go do my life, um, what do those things matter? They don't. You know, they're not going to be there to do if I don't first learn ways to you know, to bring those activities into alignment with a sustainable system. And that's hard. That's really hard. It's scary. I am programmed, and you probably are, we're programmed to, to get up and, and go about the day's business the way that we always have. And we've all made changes in some ways over the course of our life for one thing or another. But this is, um, you know, this is a, a massive request. This is a massive request. We need a, a partition of people out there who are willing to just start doing things differently, extremely differently, and find the way to have a fulfilling life, regardless of the discomfort involved in carving out that new way. And then for some of us, that might be our whole lives. That might be our whole lives. And are we willing, is it worth it to spend the rest of our life dealing with certain discomforts and certain diminished privileges that we may have enjoyed up until this point in order to turn the tide and see if we can you know, help the planet correct itself? Really on behalf of our children and our nieces and our nephews and their children's nieces and nephews and grandchildren. It's really for them. And I believe that it's, you know, it's our responsibility to give them the best possible chance to reconcile the situation for their children and their children's children. I mean, it took us a long time to get here. If you look at the, uh, you know, since the industrial age started, which is really when things kind of ramped up and it was subtle for a long time, didn't really pick it up, but we can see the exponential rise and it becoming very visible just over the last decade. So in the same way, we can probably make some pretty big changes pretty quickly that'll have a pretty noticeable effect coming out of this in the next 10 years. But it's going to take that long, sustainable practice of doing things differently over the next, you know, 100 years to, to have a full recovery and to remind the human that, you know, we are part of the planet. We are not separate from it. And that acting accordingly with being part of the planet to being actually recognizing and understanding that we are the earth walking around 
to then act and make choices on behalf of not of ourselves, you know, of, of the conscious earth where, you know, what we do to us, we, we do to the earth. And we're now seeing the result of operating under the auspicion that there's a separateness. And, you know, can we restore that? Can, can we come back around to as much as we deeply operate on that premise that we're separate, can we come back around to operating just as deeply in the future? You know, th- that our kids and grandkids would be operating on the auspicion that we are not separate, that we actually are deeply connected and part of the earth. And that's on us. We can give them a head start in reclaiming that truth if we want to, if we're willing to make the choices today that gives them the running start. You know, if we don't, ultimately they're going to resent us. They're going to resent this time. They're going to resent the generations that were claiming that we were separate and in control. And we're not going to be looked favorably upon in history books. And personally, for me, I don't want that. I want to be seen and remembered as someone who saw the warning signs and and made a different choice. And uh, I hope you are willing to do that too. So connecting with nature, relationship with nature. Let's get down to the brass tacks here. It's simple, folks. It's getting outside. It's getting past your devices. It's getting past all the comforts that we've turned earth into and surrounded ourselves with to insulate ourselves from the raw, untamed discomforts of the planets. And it's really only uncomfortable because of how much we've used our technology to shield us from the natural state and cycles of what's happening in nature. You know, all of our ancestors, all of your ancestors, they they did fine for the longest time for, you know, stretches and stretches, eons. They did great without all the modern conveniences. So you have that in you. So it's taking a hike. It's, it's going out to camp instead of going to a resort. It's going to a lake and, and learning how to fish and catching your food. It's making a small garden, even if it's just a single pot in your house where you grow some chives or something really simple like some basil. It's just starting at the start. It's, it's creating the relationship. It's, it's building it by step by step. It's, uh, you know, if you have a family or children or if you're around kids or even if you're around other adults, it's inviting them out for an afternoon to do something outside, even if it's just to a local beach. And bringing some awareness and attention to the fact that, you know, when you're at the edge of an ocean, you're looking deep, deep, deeply into our history. You know, everything that's crawled out of the ocean has contributed to the fact that we're, you know, walking around in two legs with a physical body. So it's, it's choosing to bring your time, your attention, your passion, your interests, your fears and discomforts. It's funneling it all towards nature. You know, all of us have those attributes and it's just uh, we get to choose. You know, part of our freedom of choice is what we do with those things and, and where we use our time and our energy to focus them. You know, if you use software like me, I've spent copious, I've spent hours, hours, probably months if I accumulated it all, months of my life learning how to use software and super focused in on it, learning all the ins and outs and understanding the jargon they use to explain processes and all the concepts behind how to get things to, you know, how to, how to get results that you want to get. I can bring that same dedication, focus and intent and focus it to nature. You know, I can learn what the name of those trees are. I can learn the name of those birds 
and I can spend time watching them. So I, I start to understand which bird is making which bird song. I can spend the time to uh, on my hikes to actually look at the plants that are growing and start to learn which ones I can just pick up and eat that I can forage for to, to, you know, to remember that food just grows out of the ground. I can invite my children or my partner or my friends or my family members to do that with me. I can be the one, I can be the leader who is inspiring all the people that are within my sphere of influence to begin developing that deeper relationship with nature, with the planets. And that time spent, you know, that time accumulated, just having more attention, more focus, more consciousness around the nature around us uh, starts to develop a relationship. And within that relationship, um, you know, there's going to be certain emerging properties that are going to arise that you didn't have any idea were going to happen. And in the same way that that mother with the child's will somehow in her own genius of motherhood find some way to soothe and allay and solve the situation that's causing so much dramatic outcry from her child, you too will start to see things in a different way. You'll start to appreciate the nuances of how you go about living your life. And because you're thinking about the connection of how your actions are contributing to the damage of the environment, it won't just be this big obtuse thing that's in the news headlines that you're, you know, we just kind of put off in our minds and hope it doesn't really get to us. You'll actually be thinking about the trees in your yard. You'll be thinking about the birds who are looking for, you know, food in, uh, in the parks. You'll be thinking about just, you know, the weather patterns in your hometown. And they'll become like, they'll become relationships. You'll think about them and you'll think about your actions. We've all had the experience of living our lives in a certain way, having our own patterns and habits that we're fine with. And then you meet somebody that you really like and you build a relationship with them and there's, uh, you start doing things differently on their behalf because you see that it brings something good to their lives. Maybe it just makes them, you know, you changing a pattern just puts them more at ease in some way. And uh, we're willing to make those changes. We see how just changing our behavior can really affect the quality of someone else's life. That makes us feel good. It makes them feel good. And that is, you know, that's the wonderful beauty of the flexibility that's within relationship that humans carry. If you start looking at earth and nature that way as something to relate with, then you too will start to notice over time as you build that relationship, as you as you make the choice to put yourself out in nature, as you make the choice to notice, you know, with your five senses, just your place and space on the planets, you too will start to begin to notice that there are little things, little nuances of changes you can make in your daily lifestyle that will make you feel better about how you are living on the planets. And by transmission of your relationship to nature, you will perceive that nature feels better, you know? And yeah, we can't scientifically quantify that nature feels better because you're making better choices, but that doesn't mean you're not going to feel that. And so much of what isn't included in science, which is a relatively new field of study compared to the time that humans have been walking around on the earth, is that you know, we are feeling beings. That's one, again, I would say along with imagination, creativity, and relationship, you know, the emotional life of the human is a huge, huge asset that no other species on the planet has. And what is that really for? 
our feelings and emotions inform us as to the quality of our actions. You know, we don't live as an instinctual being on this planet. We've outgrown a lot of the instinctual modes that got us to where we are. And because we do have so much intellectual and technological power, we are capable of performing great feats that transform the face of this planet. And it's our emotions, it's our feelings that really help us get some kind of compass into whether or not the changes we affect on the planet are in alignment with sustaining and regenerating it. We feel it. We all know what it, how good it feels to have a beautiful day in nature, you know, to be on a beautiful hike, a day at the beach. There's just a quality to our well-being that we just can't get anywhere else. So it's a real thing. That relationship is real. And we all have the opportunity to increase and grow it. Okay, folks, I think I've hit the nail on the head with a hammer plenty of times in this half hour or so. So uh, we're going to move to a close. And yeah, the, really, the takeaway from this podcast really is just to encourage you to, to don't be afraid of making relationship with nature. It's, it's not woo-woo. It doesn't have to be woo-woo. It doesn't go against any spiritual beliefs. It doesn't go against anything because you are nature. You know, it's actually in high congruency with the purpose of the human. So give yourself that opportunity. Get outside, get into your five senses, Start building that connection and that resonance and that sensitivity to all that's going on, all that this planet has offered to us, all that we have borrowed from it to create the lives that we are living and what we can do in return to start showing the planet that we want to take care of it because it's a symbiotic relationship. If we don't take care of it, it's not going to be able to take care of us. That's getting really clear. It's on each of us. It's on each of us. It's not something out there that's just happening to you know certain people. It's happening everywhere. And, you know, there's that old saying about a butterfly flaps its wings in one place and creates a hurricane in the other. Well, you know, the, uh, con- the consumer habits of one people in the world create ecological disaster in another because it comes from somewhere. So consider your mindfulness, consider your choices, look into your heart's look out into nature and let's get to it. Let's get to it. Our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews, they need to see us in leadership positions in our lives, making strong choices and paving a way of of change now so that they grow up in a life where change is what we do. They're going to bring the solutions and they're going to need really clear roads to implement it. And that's something that we definitely can build for them. All right, that's it for the show today. My friends, thank you for listening. Heady topic, but really the essence I hope you take away is to just get yourself out in nature. Nature is such a powerful place, such a potent reflection tool to know yourself better. So as I like to say, the little moniker of this program, if you want to get to know yourself inside better, get outside more. That's where it's at. Don't forget to head on over to risingman.org for a list of really powerful programs that can be instrumental in helping you tackle these kind of issues about how do you change your life? How do you change your life one step at a time? And with the support of a circle of men to help you do it, because it's really hard to take on a lot of these big issues by ourselves. There's so much already in place that wants to keep us moving down the track we are on, even when we see that it's not going to be productive or useful in the long run. And it can take tremendous courage 
and tremendous risk to make those big changes. And Rising Man is here to support you in doing that. That's what we do. That's what we've done for ourselves. And it's what we're offering to the rest of you men out there and the dozens of men who are in the programs now who are finding that support with each other. And it's a really beautiful community. So please do check it out. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast and the Rising Man podcast that Jetty puts out with the interviews and the Monday morning meditations, um, please do hit the like buttons. Please do subscribe. Please do leave a review on iTunes. All those really contribute to how this message gets out to other men in the world that may not ordinarily get into their feeds. So the numbers help the logarithms help men get this message. So please consider that. Big shout out to the Rising Man Power Team, Sean, Mark, Julian, Rowan, Ryan, and Kyle. You know, I'm sitting here behind the mic saying the words, but it's really that team who moves it beyond my little laptop here and gets it out to the world in such a polished, beautiful way. So much obliged and gratitude for that crew. And again, my name is Sean Barry. This is First Nature. Find out about who you are inside by getting outside. I'll see you next time.